Hello and welcome to the Lancet podcast. I'm Richard Lane and it's Friday, January the 30th. Just a week and a half after the inauguration of President Barack Obama, I'll be talking to Todd Zwillick on the line from Washington, D.C. Todd, who has spoken to us before on the podcast, is the author of a World Report piece in this week's issue of The Lancet, which is dated January the 31st to February the 6th. Todd and I will be discussing the way ahead for health in the United States, both at home and abroad there, with a particular focus on President Obama's choice of Tom Daschle as Secretary for Health and Human Services. But just before that, I want to steer you through a couple of other content highlights from this week's issue. We have editorials on China, on over-the-counter drugs for obesity, and on the future of PEPFAR, the President's Emergency Plan for AIDS Relief, which Todd and I will be discussing in a moment. In the comments section, Richard Horton has written a piece entitled The Global Financial Crisis, an Acute Threat to Health, which is well worth a read. In the correspondence section, some lively letters about the GISI trials that we published last autumn, which were presented at the European Society of Cardiology meeting. In research, the articles we publish have previously been published online, notably the epidemiological research article looking at measles in Europe. Also a comparison of recovery after open versus laparoscopic surgery after pyloric stenosis. And an interesting research article looking at the expected and experienced discrimination among people with schizophrenia. All of these have linked comments. But let us return to the United States just 10 days after the inauguration of President Obama. Earlier, I spoke to Todd Zwillick, author of a piece in the World Report section this week. I began by asking him to tell us a bit about Tom Daschle, who has been chosen by Barack Obama to head up the Department of Health and Human Services. Tom Daschle is a former U.S. Senator, more than that, a former majority leader of the Senate. So he led the Senate for a total of about three years and spent another couple of years as minority leader. So he's been in the leadership for many years. It really goes to an interesting point about why the president chose him. Tom Daschle's main responsibility, among many other things, will be a promised attempt to overhaul the U.S. health system. And I know that you've covered it and I've covered it and we've all talked for years and years and years about the mess that is American healthcare. In fact, system is too generous a word for what we've got. It's more of a tangle. Tom Daschle's responsibility is to try to untangle it, and he can't do it alone. Uh, he has to do it with Congress. Health reform was tried back in 1993 and 1994 by President Clinton at the time and his first lady, Hillary Clinton, now the Secretary of State, interestingly. At the time, they tried what was a bit of a top-down approach. It's well understood now that they took a bill, a proposal, they threw it on top of the Congress, and they said, our way or the highway. And that did not go anywhere. It fell flat on its face. So everyone says they've learned from that experience and that truly reforming U.S. health care is going to take a bipartisan, cross-party, cross-ideological approach. And that's, why I, that, that's a lot why I think you see the choice of Daschle. He knows how to speak the language of the Senate, even though he was not a terribly bipartisan leader of the Democrats. He led at a time that there was a lot of partisan rancor and a lot of uh, partisan competition in the Senate. Still, he has, uh, he has the respect of his re former Republican colleagues. He's well-respected across the aisle, and, and no one knows better than he how the Senate works and what it takes to get something done. Will he accomplish it? We don't know yet. Uh, but he knows even better than the president, who is a former senator himself, but only for a couple of years. Daschle was a leader. He knows if he's going to succeed, he knows how to navigate those senatorial waters and those congressional waters. But let me just add real quickly, why isn't he 
the secretary yet. Well, uh, under the Constitution, the president makes appointments, and the Senate has the role of advice and consent. And they have to confirm Daschle before he actually becomes secretary. That process is taking a little while, and it's nothing to do with Daschle himself. He will be confirmed, and he's very popular around here. Listeners may be aware that we've got a gigantic economic stimulus bill that's trying to work its way through the Congress right now. It's $825 billion, and it's pretty much taken up all of the oxygen in the room right now. Senator Daschle has had one hearing in the Senate Health and Education Committee, but he needs to have a second hearing in the Finance Committee, and that one's a big deal because the Finance Committee has jurisdiction over Medicare and Medicaid, which are two of the three largest entitlement programs in the entire U.S. government. They will be integral to health reform. They spend a lot of money, hundreds of billions of dollars a year, and a huge portion of the federal budget. He cannot be confirmed until he sits before the Finance Committee and is vetted by them, even though they all know him well. They haven't had a chance to have that hearing yet, because the Finance Committee also deals with tax policy, and they've been obsessed with the stimulus, and rightly so. It looks like in the next week or two, uh, Daschle should get his hearing, and then shortly after that, he'll be confirmed. There won't be any impediments to his nomination. You've given us a good picture of Tom Daschle. He's clearly an experienced campaigner. He clearly understands politics very well. But how much do you think he knows about health and, and, and health systems and health priorities, both both for the United States domestically and abroad? Has he, do you have a sense of, of what the strategic approach is going to be yet? Well, he's, he's written a book on the topic. It's called Critical by Tom Daschle. So anyone can, can look that up and, and, and give it a scan or give it a read. Uh, and he points to that book a lot in his testimony. Uh, senators on the Health Committee, some of them seem to have read it, where he lays out his vision for a reform of the U.S. health system. Now, earlier in his career, Daschle was probably more of an advocate of a much larger government role in health care than he's probably likely to advocate for now, because he is fully subscribed to the idea that a broad bipartisan effort with buy-in from as many different political factions as possible is going to be necessary. What he stressed in his hearing in front of the Health Committee was very interesting. Uh, first of all, he used any number of pejorative terms uh, for the idea that 47 million Americans don't have health insurance, that millions of others who do have health insurance are underinsured. So even though they have coverage or what looks like coverage, they still sometimes after an illness or losing employment might confront bankruptcy or financial trouble because of their medical costs. He called this a disgrace. He called it an insult. He called it un-American. So he's starting from that premise. But he also says that lack of insurance is only one part of the problem. According to Daschle, it's the most glaring, most obvious problem that we have, 47 million people who have no coverage. We don't know other industrialized country in the world has an issue like that. But he says it's only half the problem, that the real problem is a lack of primary care a focus on acute care and a focus on paying for acute care, basically treatment at the end of life, a failure to prevent chronic diseases, and then an insistence on treating chronic diseases once they've become acute. Think of diabetes, which everyone knows has years and years of antecedents, uh, including overweight, including obesity, including a sedentary lifestyle, on through until uh, you've got uh, microvascular disease and kidney failure. Well, if you're treating microvascular disease and kidney failure, you're probably getting to diabetes a little late. This is Daschle's point, and, and, and he's not the first to make the point. People have been making this point for decades in American healthcare, but he says that his intention is to reorder the system so that the incentives are in place for preventative 
early care. Not only getting people insured so that they have a place to go, they have a doctor and they have coverage for care, but that preventive care is reimbursed well through the healthcare system. That physicians, nurse practitioners, and other caregivers, family physicians are incentivized to go into the business and to provide lots of preventative care. He sees the savings there. Everyone sees the savings there. But we're talking about a systemic change of, of refocusing America's market-driven, profit-driven health care to reorder the incentives so that people have an excuse and have a motivation to emphasize the kind of primary care that discourages sedentary lifestyle, discourages poor eating, discourages smoking. These things account for I don't even know the number, but for an unbelievable amount of our costs. And if we can reorder the priorities, Dashiell says, to focus on primary care and, and less on acute care when, it's, when it could have been prevented, we will be saving, putting a, a huge dent in our problem. Could I ask you a little bit about foreign policy also, and particularly PEPFAR, the President's Emergency Plan for AIDS Relief, which, you know, you have to say one thing about the Bush administration. They introduced PEPFAR, this $50 billion program over five years for the relief of HIV AIDS, particularly obviously in sub-Saharan Africa. And Mark Dybul, who up until last week was the head of PEPFAR, was told basically on day one of the new administration to tender his resignation when he was he was given an indication that he was going to stay in, in post for some time before uh, a successor was was found. Kind of weird message coming out there from the new administration. Well, that is um, what you're talking about. There is politics, and every time that there's a changeover in, in administration, people are asked to go and people are asked to stay. And yes, politics contributes to that. In fact, it may be the driving force. There is speculation, and that's all it is at this point about why Dybul was asked to go and by whom he was asked. Most people assumed that when it was clear that Hillary Clinton, a longtime advocate uh, of, of uh, pro-choice policies, family planning, planning policies overseas, uh, when it was clear that she would ascend to Secretary of State, that Dybul's days were numbered. Some people in the family planning community and the pro-abortion, pro-choice community who never liked Mark Dybul, they didn't think that he was a, a staunch advocate of a comprehensive family planning approach within PEPFAR, that he was too willing to promote the Bush administration's idea of abstinence-only education. People are arguing about which side he was really on or whether he was on any side, but in any case, Mr. Dybul is gone, and it's time uh, to look for a replacement. There is some anger in Washington over the way he was dismissed, but this is really nothing new. Unfortunately, it's a political town, and the State Department is a political place. And uh, despite all of the successes of PEPFAR, you're right, it, it was one of the rare places during eight years of the Bush administration, at the White House and the Congress, and even when it was a Democratic Congress, that they managed to come together and fund this program. Uh, even Democrats around here will tell you they're loath to give the former president, any credit nearly for anything, considering the Iraq war in Guantanamo and all of the horrible things that they think have happened. But they give him credit for PEPFAR. They, they're very fast to give him credit for PEPFAR, and he has their respect for PEPFAR. So it may have been a bit of a shock that Ambassador Dybul was asked to go on day one. I don't think anyone uh, except those inside the State Department right now really knows who was responsible for it, and does it really matter? It's politics, unfortunately. One would expect that Secretary Clinton's Leadership there at state and the president above her above her will try to find someone that they think uh, that they think can lead the program from here on out. 
Indeed, Todd, and I should just add to that that uh, earlier this week here at The Lancet, we did publish a short editorial that is in this current issue of The Lancet on our website early, urging those in power in Washington to take their time and to make sure that they do recruit the best person for the job based on merit and, and not for an overly political appointment. Because as you said, Todd, the departure of Mark Dival seems to have been a very much a political decision. So we're urging that very much he- the, the health and the needs of people who need a strong head of PEPFAR is, is the key way forward. And I, I'm sure you'd echo that too. Well, I, um, I can't really comment on the editorial comment, but I can say that there are a lot of people in Congress that probably agree with the Lancet on that. It's a very important program to a lot of members around here. The president has said it's a very important program to her, to him, pardon me, and the secretary has said it's an important program to her, and, and, and they seem to be sincere about that. It seems unlikely that, that someone without technical expertise or experience in international affairs, especially dealing with poor countries and countries devastated by HIV and AIDS, uh, that somebody who's not uh, technically able to handle the job and handle it well uh, would be installed. So we'll have to wait and see. Indeed we will. Todd, it's great to speak to you again. Thanks very much for your time. It's always a pleasure. Many thanks to Todd Zwillick for contributing to this week's podcast and to you all for listening. See you next week.